This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. The prophet Isaiah tells us the people living in darkness have seen a great light. In this week's program, we're going to explore this prophecy further to learn its meaning. Please stay with us for our message, He's the Light You Need. If life is looking dark for you and you're tired of feeling hopeless, God has a good word for you today. So stay with us and find out what it is. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty and merciful God and Father, we are grateful that you don't keep us guessing about you. Through Jesus Christ, you have given us a good look at yourself and your will for our lives. You have given us your holy word to enlighten us and guide us to the life that you have in mind for us. So open the eyes of our hearts once again to behold you in your glory. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here's that prophecy. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, Light has dawned. Here ends our reading. Dear friends, do you enjoy geography? My wife, Julie, is fascinated with it. She loves looking at maps and globes and reading information about other parts of the world, about the physical features of the land and the resources and the people that live there and their culture, climate especially those places where we were thinking about visiting. As one reads through the Gospel of Matthew, it appears that Matthew's fascinated with geography as well. Geography speaks quite loudly in Matthew's Gospel, playing a big part. For instance, in Matthew chapter 2, we see Matthew giving all kinds of geographical information about Bethlehem, Egypt, and Nazareth, how they fulfilled the hopes of Old Testament prophecies. Geography comes up again in our text for today. After John the Baptist gets arrested, Jesus moves to Capernaum in Galilee, in the territory of Zebulun in the land of Naphtali in the far north of Palestine. 
is named for two of the Hebrew tribes that first entered the Promised Land. You discover some interesting and helpful things as you look at the geography of this location where Jesus started his ministry. The ancient historian Josephus tells us that this area was known for its fertility, that the soil was phenomenal. Therefore, a lot of people went there who wanted to uh, farm, participate in the agricultural economy. The area had a dense population, Josephus tells us, uh, 204 villages with 15,000 people at least in each one. That's a lot of people. Its location made it a major trade route between the great nations. Lots of different peoples traveling in, through, and around, bringing goods to other parts of the ancient world. Therefore, we know that it was a mixed population, lots of Jews as well as Gentiles, non-Jews. He also described the people looking for and being very open to change and innovation in Galilee. We also know that they were despised. They were looked down upon by the southern Jews around Jerusalem and Judea. Their history caused some of that, you see. It had been taken over earlier on by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and the Greeks and the Romans, and they were influenced by these cultures. They were considered a little less in standing then amongst their Jewish peers. This area was considered, according to Matthew, at least in his mind, a place of both moral and spiritual darkness. That's how he described it. A least likely place to do good ministry, you would think. Why wouldn't Jesus head to Jerusalem instead to do his ministry? Why this particular geographical location? Matthew tells us. The move to Capernaum of Galilee was a prophetic fulfillment. Matthew tells us so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. God's purposes lie behind this move to Capernaum. Listen to the words as it's described. The the land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death on them, light has dawned. The first thing that jumps out is that uh, this area is Galilee of the Gentiles. It doesn't mean it was made up of Gentiles, but surrounded by Gentiles and populated as well with some Gentiles. And so we get a bit of a hint right away that Jesus has come not just for Jewish people, but for everybody. He's interested in having a relationship with everyone, even non-Jews. Interestingly enough, after the resurrection, Jesus will meet the disciples up north again in Galilee and tell them to go make disciples of all nations. Take God's light to all peoples. And... Who are these people that populate the area that Jesus is? What's their spiritual location? He tells us their spiritual addresses. They are people that are sitting in darkness and in the region of the shadow of death. It's important that we 
take a look about this metaphor, darkness. How is the world dark? What does that stand for? What does it mean? In the Bible, darkness most often refers to evil and ignorance. It first means that the world is full of evil and suffering, violence. Uh, Look at what happened, for instance, at the time of the birth of Christ in Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men didn't go back, Herod found out about this Christ. We see violence and death and grief and abuse of power and homelessness and refugees fleeing oppression and families being ripped apart. It's the way the world was, the way the world is. The other way our world is in the dark, according to Scripture, is that no one knows enough to cure the suffering and the evil around us and in us. We're ignorant, incapable of doing that. Our own human resources cannot fix the world. We can't overcome the darkness ourselves. Some might look to the state and politics, some to the marketplace and the economy. Some might look to technology and believe that we can end that darkness with our own intellect and innovations. But our own human resources can't fix the darkness in the world or the darkness inside of us. Tim Keller, in his book, uh, Hidden Christmas, talks about this. Uh, it reads as follows. I thought I'd share this with you. He says, years ago, I read an ad in the New York Times that said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. Keller says, in other words, We have the light within us, and so we are the ones who can dispel the darkness, and we can overcome poverty and injustice and violence and evil. If we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. And Keller says, can we? He goes on to say, one of the most thoughtful world leaders of the late 20th century was Vaclav Havel, the first president of the Czech Republic. He had a unique vantage point from which to peer deeply into both socialism and capitalism, and he was not optimistic that either would by itself solve the greatest human problems. He knew that science, unguided by moral principles, had given us the Holocaust. He concluded that neither technology and not the state nor politics nor the market alone could save us from nuclear degradation. Havel said, Pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. But a turning to and seeing of God is needed. The human race constantly forgets, he added, that he is not God. Into this context of evil and ignorance, we see that Jesus has come to be good news for people sitting in that. I mean, here we see in in this text before us the description and purpose of Jesus, that he is the great light shining on those sitting in darkness in the region of the shadow of death, that Jesus, the Son of God, has come 
to be light for us, that he's in the lighting business, came to light up our lives. Help has arrived. Jesus says later on, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we need to ask a question, what's the meaning of light? Well, it's the opposite of darkness, evil and ignorance. It's goodness and knowledge. It's positive. We're told in Scripture, for instance, that God is light. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Did you notice in Matthew's word from Isaiah that he says, Upon them a light has dawned. And here we we have a symbol of the sun coming up on a new day. And what do we know about the sun and what the light of the sun does? Well, we know that the sun gives us life and preserves life. If the sun went out, we on planet Earth would probably freeze. In the book of Acts, we're reminded that only in God do we live and move and have our very being. We exist only because God is upholding us, keeping us together every moment, shining on us. True, not only uh, of our bodies, but of our souls as well. The sun shows us the truth. If you drive a car at night without your headlights on, you will probably crash. Light reveals the truth of things that are in front of you, and you will have enough truth to steer the car safely in the light. Likewise, Christ brings us the truth about ourselves and God, the truth that we need so that we don't end up crashing and ruining our lives. The sun also gives us beauty. Sunlight is dazzling, and it brings warmth, and it brings joy. In places, for instance, where there are only a few hours of daylight at certain times of the year, many people suffer from depression. Here in Minnesota, we get some pretty long periods of grayness, and a lot of people suffer from what they call sad. They need light to pick them back up again and energize them. We need light for joy. Likewise, Jesus, the light of the world, brings abundant joy to our lives. He brings new life then to replace our deadness. He's beauty that outshines all other things and gives us joy. He's the wonderful counselor that gives us the truth and walks with us even into the shadows of death. He's light for us when all other lights go out. He wants you, my dear friends, to have his light. So how can this light become yours? Well, light is a gift of grace. It's meant to be received. When we trust in him and his work on our behalf, his being wounded for our transgressions, taking our punishment upon himself, paying the penalty for our sin at the cross, rather than trusting our own moral efforts, 
God forgives and accepts us, and he implants his Holy Spirit in us to make us new from the inside out. This light that flashes upon you with all its new life and truth and beauty comes as a gift to you to be received. It has to be a gift. You see, we were so lost, so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than the life and death and resurrection of the Son of God himself could save us and bring us into the marvelous light of God. To accept this gift simply means admitting that you're a sinner, swallowing your pride and saying that you need to be saved by grace and that you need to give up control of your life and give it over to Christ. The message of the Christian faith is things really are this bad. There is darkness. There is death. And we can't heal or save ourselves. Things really are that way. But there is hope. Upon our world, a light has dawned. Jesus Christ. He's descended into our darkness in order to bring us into God's light. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness could not overcome it. Not even the darkness of death. Jesus defeated that as well. Receive the gift of Jesus Christ. The light of the world is the appeal this day. A number of years ago, a British hymn writer by the name of Graham Kendrick wrote a song that was very popular in churches around the world. The song had some amazing lyrics. It is basically a a prayer asking Jesus to shine on us. We sing it frequently in our own congregation here at Shepherd of the Valley. The words are in the first verse, Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness shining. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine and fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze and set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow and flood the nations with your grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Lord, let there be light. May the words of this song be your prayer for the rest of your life. You don't have to sit in darkness. Christ has come to shine in you. May you be in your prayer saying, shine, Jesus, shine in me. Let's pray. Lord, some days... Life does seem particularly dark, and it can be very depressing. So we thank you for the light of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes focused on him and the light of his glory and grace. In Christ's name we ask this. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. 
We pray today's message has encouraged you to join us as we ask Jesus to shine on our lives and set us free with the light of His glory. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry devoted to guiding the lives of our listening audience to a closer walk with Jesus Christ through God's Holy Word. We appreciate your prayers for this ministry. If you care to also contribute financially to continue making the broadcast possible, please send your gifts to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. All contributions are tax deductible. If you enjoyed Reverend Kramer's message and would like to hear it again, we encourage you to check us out on our website, christiancrusaders.org, where you can find both an audio and printed copy of today's message. We also offer copies of many other past programs. Check us out today at christiancrusaders.org. CDs and printed copies of today's message are also available by writing us at Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or you can call our office at 1-888-693-2484. In the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We are pleased you chose to worship with us this day and pray you will be with us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting today's service was the Reverend Steve Kramer. Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of broadcasting biblical truth. <laughs>